I have a question for you this morning. Have we ever heard of the A-team? Maybe, show of hands, the A-team. Anybody heard of the A-team? It's going to get real awkward if nobody does it with me. So I need some help. Okay, well, all three of you that did it with me, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Respect. So the A-Team was a show that aired in 1982. That was the first time it aired. And what the A-Team was, it was basically a group of ex-military operatives that worked together to fight off justice, saving the world one day at a time. Well, something that was unique about the, uh, the A-Team was they always featured this thing called the, the infamous A-Team van. And the A-Team van was actually a GMC Vandura. A GMC Vandura. Yes. Well, as it happens, when I was a kid, my dad actually had a GMC Vandura. Now, it didn't quite look like the van in the A-Team, but he was pretty stoked regardless. He was really cool about it. He loved it. He wanted to show it to everybody. And something that we would do as a family is we would take trips. We would take trips to the groceries, the parks, like any other family. Everybody does that. But what was special about it was that we would take something called detours, quotation marks, detours. My dad loved to take detours. And what these detours looked like, basically, when we'd be going to the park, going to the groceries, he would find time to take some sort of route out in the country or down some sort of quiet road, and then he would look back in the van with... Me, my sister, my brothers, my mom, he would announce and declare to the entire van, it's time to shift into turbo. Now, no, my dad was not senile. There was a reason why he was doing this. He would say, it's time to shift into turbo. And all of us kids would look at each other like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then we would just roar and thunder. Woohoo! we're excited to shift into turbo. We love you, Daddy. We love the GMC, Vandura. We love God. Awesome. Something like that. And then basically, my dad would receive this, and then, bam, he would tromp down on the gas pedal And away we would go. So we would start driving at about 25 miles an hour. He would shout shift into turbo. And then we would move to something like 75 miles an hour. But we were moving at like epic speeds. It felt awesome. As kids, we were loving it. It was great. Like the G-Force just threw us back. And we were like back in our face. I mean, it felt like a rocket ship. It was really not that fast. But as kids, it was really, really cool. We loved it. We loved it so much. And for whatever reason, as a family, this became like some sort of weird tradition. We did this quite a bit. It's, I know it sounds very weird, but we love it. Until, until one day. <clears throat> All right. So one day my dad, he looks back. It's the normal, normal process. He looks back. He announces to the van, it's time to shift into turbo. So us kids, we look at each other. We, you know the drill. Woohoo! We love the GMC Vandura. We love the A team. God is good. Yeah, we love you, Daddy. Shift into turbo. So, my dad takes that. Bam! Shifts into turbo. He hits the gas pedal, and away we go. I mean, we're ripping and roaring, soaring. We are moving. We are grooving, and probably faster than we've ever been. What was realistically probably like 75 miles an hour felt like 175 miles an hour. I mean, we were moving, and then. About 10 to 15 seconds after we were moving, bam, 
the entire dashboard fell off of the GMC Vandura onto the lap of my dad and onto the lap of my mom. My dad hit the brake. <laughs> it's like, whoa, he hit the brake. The GMC Vandura stopped. It came to a halt, and we just kind of looked at each other. Two things happened that day. <laughs> Two things happened. The first thing, well, we never shifted into turbo again after that day. And, <laughs> and the second thing was this. My dad never drove a single mile over the speed limit for the rest of his life. It was great. It was awesome. True story. See, this morning, I want to ask you, in this past year, have you ever wanted things to go a certain way and they just didn't? In this past year, has the dashboard just fallen into your lap? See, this morning, I want you to realize that the... The fear of the dashboard falling into our lap can't stop us, can't, shouldn't stop us from shifting into turbo for Jesus in 2022. So, in honor of my, of my dad's epic A-team experience, our big idea this morning is this. Let's shift into turbo for Jesus in 2022. See, around this time every year, people flood the treadmills at the gym trying to pursue their New Year's resolutions. Everyone wants to feel better. Everyone wants to do something different, something exciting. But let's be honest, nobody loves those pesky love handles, so we've got to get moving and grooving. See, everyone wants to shift into turbo when it comes to exercise, when it comes to a life change. But the truth is, guys, it's just not that easy sometimes. Difficult things aren't that fun. It's easier to put that stuff on cruise control and just kind of get to it whenever, right? It's not fun. So as we shift into the new year, I want to share some information with you. A recent survey reveals that about 141 million Americans pursue New Year resolutions every year. 141 million Americans pursue this every year. In the top areas that they pursue of their New Year resolutions, these are the top six. They pursue health, self-improvement, money, Family, love, and careers. See, as people, we're always determined to learn something new. We want to make a healthier lifestyle change. We want to set personal goals in an effort to better ourselves, to better our lives. However, the average percentage of that number that I just said, the 141 million, at the end of the year, the yearly average is about 9% of that starting number. So 9% of the 141 million, that's not a lot. See, this morning, I want to be honest with you. Making a big change is hard work, and sometimes it's not that easy. But wouldn't it be nice if we could make lasting change this year? Not temporary, but lasting change. See, the idea of making change is fun, and it's exciting. But as we proceed into the new year, something happens. We get busy. Yes, we get busy. Things happen. Life inevitably gets busy. It gets overwhelming. We rack up the RPMs. We rack up the RPMs. We move from one thing to the next, from one thing to the next, from that thing to this thing, from this thing to that thing. And we decide to quit. We're done. We don't want it anymore. We're over it. We're done trying to pursue that promotion at work. We're done trying to mess with all the treadmills and all the hipsters at Planet Fitness. We're done with it. We're absolutely done with it. And sometimes we're done with spending time with family because we're just too busy. See, instead of putting all of our hope 
in the New Year resolutions. Let's figure out how we can shift into being on fire for Jesus in 2022. How can we shift into being on fire for Jesus in 2022? See, the reality is that we all find moments in our lives where we can let circumstance of uncertainty, the fear, define who we are. And sometimes we worry so much about what people think of us, how people uh, perceive us, that we allow that to control our lives. Sometimes we even allow that to control our faith. See, maybe for some of us, We're being defined right now by a financial situation. We're struggling with a financial situation. Maybe some of us are being defined by a divorce. Maybe some of us are being defined or struggling with an impactful decision that we've made or that we're going to make, that we might make. And some of us, right now, in this very place, are struggling to stay awake during this teaching. I understand. (laughs) In these moments, the first thing that we can do is we can find... Our word for 2022. We can find our word for 2022. See, when the storms of life come, and yes, they will come, throughout the seasons of the new year, we can be proactive by reading our Bibles, by spending time in prayer, because this is impactful to us. See, we find our word by praying for guidance. We pray first. We pray and ask God if he can allow us, if he can guide us in the scriptures to find a word that means something to us, that is impactful to us. Because he knows we don't. And then through this, after we get done praying, we can start reading scripture and then we can discover our word for the year. See, this word will be our rock for the new year. And as staff here at the jar, this is something that we do every year around this time in January, around this time in February. We pick one word after prayer and Bible reading. See, my word last year was focus. And I, I came to this conclusion because it took a lot of prayer, it took a lot of reading the Bible. And so I just want to give you a recap really quick of last year for me. So focus was my word. I picked that at the beginning of the year. Last year, I had a lot of changes in my life. Last year, I got engaged. I bought a house. I finished a degree. I started another degree. There were, a lot, there were a lot of things happening in my life last year. But God knew that before I did. And God allowed me to find my rock to lean on before I did. He led me to that. See, whenever things are shifting a little bit too fast, or whenever they're going a little slow, we will have a word to lean on. We will have that rock. See, we will have some living bread to survive on in the middle of the storm. See, the evil one delights in this. He delights in the storm. He delights in the confusion, the hustle and bustle, the craziness of our lives, the things that distract us. And make no mistake, the evil one has a vast imagination. He has a vast imagination. And whenever the storm comes, the storm comes, or maybe there's a storm right now that you're going through, you need to remember this. It's just the tip of the iceberg. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Because the evil one delights in casting seeds of destruction into our lives. He delights in casting those seeds of destruction inside the gardens of our own lives. And if you know anything about gardens, if you just take a bunch of handfuls of, or handful of seeds and throw them in a garden, they grow up all over the place. All over the place. They don't grow in one spot. 
And that's what the evil one does. He throws it all in, he throws the seeds of destruction into our lives. This is why it is so important that we shift into being on fire for Jesus this year. That we can take time to understand more about God. That we can take time to understand more about ourselves. See, the garden of life is in front of us this year. And this is why we have to do something that we're going to dub this morning called spiritual farmers. See, the second thing that we have to do to shift into being on fire for Jesus in 2022 is we have to become spiritual farmers. Spiritual farmers. Can you dig it? (laughs) So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See, we are charged with the maintenance of our own gardens. We're charged with the maintenance of our own gardens, and more importantly, we're responsible for the spiritual soil that is within those gardens. We're responsible for it. See, by choosing to put our identity in Christ, what we do is we, we protect that soil. We purify that soil in the name of Jesus. Because make no mistake that the evil one will come to steal, to kill, and destroy. So we have to protect our gardens. See, a couple ways that we can protect our spiritual soil as we shift into this new year is by taking the initiative to just spend time with God. To stay in his word by reading his Bible. See, if we want a relationship with the Holy Spirit, newsflash, guys, we're going to have to spend time with the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to spend time in prayer. We're going to have to do the work. We're going to have to do the work. See, Galatians tells us this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. See, this is so important because God desires for us to live a life, not to live a life sitting idly by. See, he wants us to shift ahead into a relationship with him because that establishes our identity not only with him, but through him. And we go from shifting into turbo to shifting into a life worthy of bearing fruit. So don't quit. So don't quit. Do not give up. And no, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that by living a life worthy of bearing fruit, that means that when you leave this place this morning, you're going to go home, and then there's going to be a vast abundance of fruit in your fridge and on your counter. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you live a life worthy of bearing fruit, things begin to change. Things begin to change for the better in our lives. Lasting change begins to happen. Scripture says this in Colossians, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you have great endurance and patience. See, by giving our lives to Christ and committing our will over to him, the areas of our lives that we've been putting on cruise control, 
and things have maybe been going a little bit too slow, or maybe we've been shifting in a turbo a little bit too much, and they're going a little too fast, those begin to change. They begin to change. And they begin to align more with God's will. They begin to move in a direction that God is molding for us, that God is guiding for us, and that God is shaping for us. Which is why the third thing that we have to do in order to shift into being on fire for Jesus in 2022 is this. We have to find identity in Christ. We have to find identity in Christ. See, sometimes I imagine what it will be like when I've passed on from this, from this world. I imagine what maybe my conversation would be like with Jesus standing in front of him. And I like to imagine it looking something like this. <clears throat> I'm standing in front of Jesus, and he says, Caleb, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. And I look back at him, and then he looks back at me, looks over my shoulder, and then he says, who did you bring with you? Who did you bring with you? Who did you bring into my kingdom? Who did you bring closer to my kingdom? How many people did you lead towards my name? How many lives did you try to impact? See, that's why I want my identity to be in Christ. I want my identity to be in Christ. I want to be on fire for Jesus. Not becoming what the world tells me I have to be, because at the end, of the, the end of the day, I would rather be a sunburnt spiritual farmer out there maintaining my own gardens, my own spiritual soil, growing my own identity in Christ, than anything in the arms of Jesus, than anything that this world has to tell me I need to be or that I have to be. More than anything that this world tells me that it can offer me. Because there is nothing that God cannot do. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing that God cannot do. He allows things that we don't understand. But I want you to know that if you hold on to him this morning, he will hold on to you. Through the storms, through the ups and through the downs, he will hold on to you. See, John 15, 4-5 says this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, I don't want what this world can give me. I do not want what this world can give me. I want what Jesus can give me. What do you think I'd rather want? One more person to live forever or a little more money? A couple more New Year's resolutions? The latest and greatest iPhone? What do you take with you? Nothing. Nothing. Not your car, not your bank account, not your Facebook or Instagram posts, your tweets. Nothing. Just you, your soul. I want you to know this morning that if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, regardless if you've shifted a bunch of different times in your life, regardless if the dashboard has fallen into your lap a couple times, He will still carry you. In the arms of Jesus, He will still carry you. See, when you don't get a miracle, 
it can still be a miracle. And I'm going to say that again because I'm getting a little fired up. <laughs> if you don't get a miracle, you can still be a miracle. And I want to unpack this a little bit more. So Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, spent a lifetime of the ups, spent a lifetime of the downs. But see, Paul had a constant in his life. The constant in his life was the Holy Spirit. See, Paul served Christ faithfully. He was a good and faithful servant. Through the bad, through the good, he was faithful. And after Jesus' death, Paul remained faithful. He began planting churches left and right. And he eventually, that eventually landed him in a Roman prison in about 62 A.D. See, during this time, Paul wrote, being imprisoned, Paul wrote several churches that he had helped create along the way. He wanted to offer wisdom. He wanted to offer guidance, instruction. All the while, he was being imprisoned. And so I want you to imagine that for a moment. Imagine Paul, after, after Jesus dies, he wants, he, he's, he's fired up. He wants to create a new ministry. So he starts this new ministry. He's planting churches left and right. He's moving and grooving. He's singing kumbaya for the Lord. He's skipping down the road. He's twiddling his cane and his top hat, starting churches there. Well, maybe he didn't do all that. But he was starting churches left and right. Paul was in the pursuit of fulfilling Jesus' calling in his life. Going to all the places, starting all the churches. And while doing all that, fulfilling God's will for his life, giving it all to Jesus, he ends up in a prison in Rome. What the heck, man? And not only does he end up in prison, but now... Some of the churches that he helped create along the way, they're starting to struggle. One of these churches specifically was the church in the city of Colossae in Asia Minor. So sitting in a prison cell, locked away in a foreign land, when it would have been very easy and very tempting to fall into the feeling of uncertainty and allow that feeling, allow that situation to become his identity, Paul Paul started writing to his churches. He decided not to let that situation become him. See, Paul made the decision to write his church in Colossae that he helped create by offering guidance, by offering wisdom, reminding of the Holy Spirit, because this church was struggling due to sinful behaviors and false teachings and other things, other bad things. See, regardless of that feeling Regardless of that situation, Paul makes the decision to run to his heavenly father. And he embraces his identity in Christ, through Christ. He embraced who he was in Jesus. And by doing so, we're blessed with the book of Colossians. See, Paul tells us this in Romans. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, we are not to let the fear of the what if scare us into submission. Because that is a tactic of the evil one. And make no mistake that the the evil one will try, but we can run to our Heavenly Father as we grow in our identity with him. But you need to know this, and I want to be very honest with you this morning, that the more we run to our Heavenly Father, the more that we try to grow our identity in Christ and through Christ, the more we try to spend time with the Holy Spirit, prepare yourself, because the evil one will be there ready to knock you down every time. 
But remember this this morning, that you are a courageous child of God, that you are a courageous child of God, that you might get knocked down this year. There might be things that are unforeseen that might attack you, that might get after you. But just know this. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. Nothing in the name of Jesus will ever keep you down. You might get knocked down, but nothing in the name of Jesus will keep you down. Nothing. See, the God of the universe chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He loves you. He wants to know you. He wants good things for you. He sees goodwill for you. See, Paul was able to receive the attacks from the evil one. He was able to receive them at a time where he was shifting his focus. He was shifting his will. He was shifting his efforts towards God, towards Jesus, towards the Holy Spirit. But Paul decided to pray, sitting in that jail cell, when it seemed like his entire life work was for nothing. He decided to pray. He decided to give his situation to God. He decided to embrace his identity in Christ. So as we close today, I want us to shift our focus on how we can apply some of the same actions that Paul showed us in that jail cell. Now, there might be some of us that are wondering, how the heck do I even start this relationship thing with God? Where do I start in this thing called a prayer life? How do I start doing the prayer thing? How do I even attack the Bible? Well, I'm going to let you know this morning. That this, this is a big book. This can be a very intimidating, scary book. But check this out. All you have to do is start with this. Start with a page. That's it. Start with a page. And another cool thing. These four pages, that's the book of Colossians. It's just four pages. So if you don't know where to start, start there. Start with the page. Start with the book of Colossians. Just do something that simple. It's that simple. And I want to encourage you that before you start reading a page at a time, pray to God. It doesn't have to be a complex prayer. It can be something very simple. And I want to show you. We can do this sometime. We don't have to do this together. But sometime when you're by yourself, just get down on your knees. When you're by yourself, take the Bible in your hand. And just be honest with God. Say, God, I don't understand any of I don't understand what the heck this is. But I do know this. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I know that He was the Word from the beginning. I ask that you take this Word and that you transform my heart and that you renew my mind in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's it. And I want you to imagine that. Imagine if you all did that Imagine if you spent time in your Bible every day this year. You would have 365 scriptures inside of you. 365 scriptures inside of you. So when the storms of life come, when the attacks come, you have a little bit of living bread to fight the enemy. You have that rock to fight the enemy when the storms come, when the things come. It's just that easy. Ask God for guidance. In the scriptures. He will lead you where you need to go. So this is my challenge to you this morning. The first part of the challenge is this. That we read our Bibles. Crazy thing, right? The first part of my challenge is that we read our Bibles this week. 
This may look differently for some of us. For some of us, this might be 20 minutes a day. For others, this might be 20 minutes for the entire week. It's okay. Let's read our Bibles this week. The second part of this challenge is this. To find your one word for the year. Find your one word for the year. Before reading in your Bibles, ask God for guidance. Ask God for guidance. Just make a simple prayer. Be real with God, and he'll be real with you. And then read the scriptures and allow God to guide you where you need to go. See, for 2022, my word is going to be run. Because Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, I want to run my race for Christ. I want to run the race for Christ in this new year. I can promise you that if you give yourself a little time to spend in the Scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to enter into your lives, it will begin to shape your spirit, it will begin to shape your mind, it will begin to shape your life. You will begin to shift into turbo for the Lord. You will remove the cruise control and you will shift into overdrive, allowing God to do the rest. And so right now we're going to end in a little bit of a different way. What I want us to do is eventually we'll stand up and I want us to worship together. I want to worship with you. And as we worship, I just want us to invite the Holy Spirit in. I want us to to just reflect on what God is doing in our lives and reflect on, on this past year. And maybe ask God for some guidance on what our one word is. So right now I ask that you stand and we're going to take a moment to reflect.
Give my life to you. Lead me as you will. 